1: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel for all of our latest programming. Not just the NBA. We got a ton of shows going up. We're also going to be starting something called Five R Sports Talk during the day in late July with the Alex Dono show every single day at 12 o'clock. Also five reasons, five reasons, sports.com. That's where Brady Hawk is posting his breakdowns of pretty much any player the Miami heat may acquire in free agency or trade and check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. If you need managed it, this is the place to go. CPT of South Florida has been providing small and medium businesses with the technology they need for decades. They specialize in cloud hosted phone systems. And like I said, managed it, if you own a smaller medium business and you're looking to save money on your monthly phone and internet costs, you got to give TJ a call right now. He's been helping South Florida. Florida businesses save thousands per month. He can do the same for you with the cloud fo- phone system. You can work from anywhere. You want to be mobile, right? On any device. So for a free in-person consultation, call TJ at 954-966-2766. That's 954-966-2766. Or go to cpt, cpt-florida.com and they've got a promotion. Mention five reasons, you'll get 25% off cloud phone service, including free phones and the first two months of service free. So mention five reasons, talk to TJ, give CPT a call. Again, it's 954-966-2766. And now, today's episode.
2: One, two, three, four, five. On the floor.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick. With Alex Toledo and Greg Silvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: Welcome back to Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Today's floor plan. This guy's got so many championships right now, I don't know where he's putting all the rings. Uh, Bringing in two-time champion with the Miami Heat. He's winning championships all over the world. Norris Cole, you remember him as a rookie who broke right in. Won a title right away. We're going to get into a lot of that nostalgia with him. I've also got his guy, Sean Rochester, who is a co-host on his podcast. We're going to talk about that as well. We've got Alex Toledo. We've got Greg Sylvander. So we basically do have five on the floor today. I'm running point. Norris probably should be the one running point. Um, (laughs) But but Norris, I want to get to this. Um, How many titles is this now?
2: Uh, Six as a pro.
1: You needed time to think about that.
2: Um yeah so two in Miami um two in France one in Tel Aviv and one in Montenegro
3: that is so damn cool
2: sure. <laughs> I mean it did take you a second though like i mean it, i mean I had, to, I had to think about it i had to think about it cuz total you know i won two state championships in high school and two conference championships in college too so you know that's yeah. 10 yeah what made this you one come different? come out here like Bill Russell with rings all over your <laughs> fingers.
1: <laughs> Phil, Phil Jackson wrote a book, 11 Rings, right? Like, that's you yeah. you get to 12. Uh, Norris, what, <laughs> what made this one different?
2: Well, this was a year of COVID, you know, so having to go through all the hardships to be able to endure, you know, getting getting tested two, three times a week, uh, restricted travel, uh, rest- restricted movement, you know, the rules are different in Europe as they are in the the state. So, you know, the whole year, basically, up until June, it was quarantine. and had curfews and no public places were open, stuff like that. So, you know, it was a tough year, you know, (laughs) not to mention the basketball challenge of it, of you know, staying healthy and, you know, going through training camp. And, you know, it was like an 11-month season this year. You know, went over in August, didn't get home until last week. So it was a long, long season. Damn. Yep.
1: Let me know, like, just for people who don't know, like, give me some of the guys that were playing in that league. A couple of names, maybe that
2: the people in the states would have heard of. In Euroleague or in France. Oh, in just- Euroleague. In Euroleague, you got Nikola Mirotic. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Nick Calathes. You got um, Shane Larkin, Mike James, um, Malcolm Delaney, uh, Alex Abrines. Derek Williams, mm-hmm. uh, those are guys that I think you know. They were all in the NBA. They were all drafted at one point. And um, in France, um, uh, some of the guys that you might have heard of, uh, you probably people might not have heard of a lot of them. But I know on my team, David Lighty. Uh, I think he got drafted by the Spurs. He went Ohio guy. Yeah, he went to Ohio State. He was my teammate. You know, so. Uh, He was he was pretty good. You know he was pretty good for us. But Euroleague has a lot of guys that you know from the NBA that that, you know came overseas. How different is
1: the style of play?
2: Uh, It's much different in Europe. The rules are different in Europe. Uh, There's ten minute quarters instead of twelve. There's not as many TV or media timeouts. Um, Only the coach can call a timeout. There's no defensive three seconds. So the the help side defense can just camp in the lane, just stand there. They don't have to move in and out the key. Um, it's it's the, the coaches more so control the game than the players. Sometimes, you know, um, there's not normally you know how in the NBA, there's about three guys that plays like almost a whole entire game and stuff like that. In Europe, is you know more balanced. You might have a whole team of like twelve or thirteen players in just about all of them might play the same amount of minutes except for like maybe three people or four people, you know? So depending on the coach, depending on the, you know, the style of play, but it's a much slower pace than the NBA. I mean, you have some teams, but on average it's a much slower style of play. And so, but they shoot, the shooting is um, the shooting is better in Europe than it is in NBA. You know, when guys are open, they make it. I mean, you got guys that shoot 50-plus percent for a whole season for three. Wow. And and not just five attempts either. You're talking about, you know, a lot of attempts. Um, like this season, I think it might have been like four dudes in Europe that shot like 50-50-90 or something like that. So mm. they can really spot up shoot. But obviously, the NBA, the athletes are much better, much higher-quality athletes. Um, yeah, much bigger, faster, stronger. But in Europe, you know, they – they set hard screens. You know, they're very disciplined to the game plan. And the older players get the seniority. You know, unlike this day and age in the NBA, it seems like it's transitioning to a younger league. And Europe, the the, the the older, more experienced players get the, you know, they get the seniority and they get the more benefit of the doubt.
3: Norris, what's up? Greg Sylvander here. Um, huge fan of your run with the heat and yeah. um, I'm going to just cut to the chase of what he fans want to (laughs) know. I want to go directly back to the Jeremy Lynn game. Um, And I don't know how much you've talked about this. I don't know if you've unpacked this on other podcasts. So, so I'm coming in blind, but this is something that I know a lot of heat fans are, uh, they have extremely fond memories of what you and Rio did to Jeremy Lin in the AAA (laughs) after all the hype surrounding Lin sanity. And my question around it is one, like, how did you absorb that entire sequence and like uh, how calculated was, was that, Um, entire, uh, you know, defensive scheme and just how uh, aggressive you were with Jeremy Lin. I just, I'd love to hear your thoughts now in retrospect.
2: Well, one, I mean, that was a phenom that the league had never seen before and probably won't see again. That two-week span, the way he dominated the league, you know, you couldn't find the Jeremy Lin t-shirt on a rack. Everything was selling out. It was, you know, it was a real phenomenon, but you know, obviously, you know we all have egos and we are all are competitors. And you know, we were the heat. You know, we were the heatles. I mean, he was a you know one man show, but our team was you know lights, camera, action. So we just wanted to make sure uh, we didn't care about ending sanity. We just wanted to make sure not on our watch. You know, he could have did that against all the other teams. We just wanted to make, we just wanted to make sure when he came against us that wasn't going to be the case. And so that's all that was just being being competitive and we didn't have like a special game plan or anything like that. It was just, this is the scout report. This is the tendency. This is what we're going to do. Go out execute like we do any other game plan. But, you know, obviously me and Rio, that was our position, you know, point guard position and was like, we was going to have to make sure like not tonight, you know, not tonight. That's, that was all our thing, you know, the hype and all that is good, but just not tonight against us. Norris, uh,
1: I was traveling with you guys that week, and I remember being in Cleveland, and here you have LeBron and Dwayne at a practice facility in Cleveland, and all the reporters are asking them how they're going to handle Jeremy Lin for the next five years in the league, (laughs) and I I just remember them kind of walking out and they were trying to hold it in. I know, cause you know, to they want to be respectful. <laughs> they wanted to be respectful Doris. They really did like they, They're trying to hold it in. And then on the way, like they both like, pfft, you know, as soon as they like left the gym and that was like, you're talking about, that was like that two or three week span. And then they came down, I was sitting courtside for that game. I had in Miami, I have never seen a player who looked so competent, it was such a long for, – for a period of time in the NBA, looked like he could not breathe. Like I, he couldn't yeah. – it, it's like he forgot how to dribble against the two. I mean, were you competitive with – with because Rio is competitive about everything. Were you and Rio competitive about who could give him the harder time that night?
2: Not really. We were just like, you know, when he was out there, he was going you know, do what he was going to do. And then when it was my turn, you know me, you know, I go at everybody like that. So it was – it was just a competitive thing. and Plus, you know, it was on national TV, and we're used to playing. You know, our team, we get everybody's best shot. So it's like every game seems like a hype game, but for this game, it was like people was hyping it up even more, and it was like, man, let's show, like, we are different. You know, our our caliber of team is different, and that's all we wanted to show. It wasn't any anything, you know, disrespectful or special, you know, against Jeremy Lin. It was just that we just wanted to sh- you know, show that it's levels to this and that our team is at a different level. That's all. And obviously me and Rio, like I said, it's at our position. You know, that, you know, anytime it's, it comes to your position and it's not like, you know, no offense, but it's not like he was like, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard. You know, sometimes he gets Hall of Fame point guards, you know, they're going to have special nights. You know, Steph Curry, you know, those type of dudes, they have special nights. But, you know, you know, the guy, you have eight eight good games and then to come in and try to dominate us, we was like, ah, uh, No, no, (laughs) no.
0: Norris, I love talking about these different types of regular season games from when the Heatles were together back then, and and I love that you talk about it being just a different level. You said you're the Heatles, and so to transition from that into this, where do you rank the Heatles among the best teams of the past decade or so? You got them at, like, when you think of you guys, when it was everything was really hitting, like 2013, you know, the year that you went, Back to back, you got the 27 game win streak, everything, you know, everything was, mm. was clearing and everything was great. Do you put that team up against the Warriors at their best? You know, maybe I, I know the Nets like, haven't any, won anything.
2: What exactly? Yeah, yeah, how do you feel yeah, about ranking them versus anybody? Yeah, I think and I think our team can compete against anybody, you know, Warriors included. You know, obviously it would be it would be very competitive, but you gotta think. Most people when they think about great teams, they think about the star power. But what makes the teams that are really, really great, other than the star power, you gotta have depth and you gotta have competence at the depth position. And we were a deep team. You know, when we when we went to our bench in our second, you know, line, our our rotation players to give, you know, the, the big three a break. You know, when D-Wade and Bosch would be out and it's just Bron out there, we still would, would, would run it. And then when Bron would take a break and D-Wade and CB are out there with the other, you know, rotation. Like, our rotations were were exceptional. And so, you know, I, I would put us up against anybody because, we, one, you know, obviously LeBron, D-Wade, CB can play against anybody. You know, Bron at that time – well, Bron anytime. You know, he's one of the top players to ever play – D-Wade is one of the top at his position ever played, and obviously CB's a Hall of Famer. So they can compete on their own against anybody, but the, you know, the UD, Birdman, Batman, you know, Shane Battier, me, Mike Miller, Ray Allen, Rio, like we can compete against any unit, you know? And so, and then you got to include Coach spoke in the, in the staff, you know, the way they made adjustments. And so I, I believe that we can compete against anybody. I don't think we're second fiddle to anybody.
1: Norris, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I always felt that that team really took off when Eric found a consistent rotation. Like the 27-game winning streak, he had that thing down to a science. It was basically nine minutes into the game, either LeBron or Dwayne would come out. Yep. And you and Ray and Shane and Bird would come in. And so and whichever one didn't get the rest for those three minutes would get the rest for the three minutes of the first, to start second the quarter. second quarter. Yep. So well, you guys would get that six minute run always with, with one or the other. I just always thought that consistency was really important in terms of what you, what you did. I want to bring Sean in here. And then I got, I got a ton of rapid fire stuff to get to you um, because you become a media guy now. So, so tell me, about, <laughs> cause I didn't anticipate that. I will say this of the guys in that locker room. Okay. Bosch, <laughs> I knew Bosch would be a media guy. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, you, you knew by, you knew Shane was going to try the media thing at some point cuz he's Shane. I right. didn't think Bird would become a media guy. That's the last thing I thought he would do. I thought what about he would to the hills. Yeah, not, You not, know not,
2: UD not going to be political correct. <laughs> you know he no, going No, no, well, no.
1: I want UD to be a media guy desperately. Trust me. Look look at what I'm wearing here. Look, look at that. Okay? Block 40 baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So so I knew UD eventually he'll be a media guy in some way. But I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily think you would be a media guy because you, you came in, you were kind of quiet. You you didn't really sort of want to ruffle things. Tell me, tell Sean uh, Norris, tell people about what you're doing, and then I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a bunch of questions from that era.
2: I'll let Sean go first. Go ahead, Sean.
1: Yeah. So thanks for having us on. Um,
4: what we are doing is a weekly podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, our show is called Believe in the Miami Heat. It's B L E A V. Obviously, then in the Miami Heat, Uh, we put out shows, usually midweek, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Talk about the Heat, talk about the NBA. Um, You know, my role as the host, I kind of get to be the point guard. Uh, We keep pushing Norris off the point guard for some reason, but I get to be the point guard and uh, kick it out to Norris and kind of clear out. I go to the corner and just stand there and let him tell stories. And it's, it's, you know, it's great to have a, a player's perspective. You know, you have a lot of podcasts where people are talking about what's going on in the league, but to have his perspective, his insight not just going back, but on today's game is great. So I definitely recommend checking it out. It's on, you know, all your podcast networks and, uh, or servers. And uh, you can follow me at Philly Heat NBA.
2: Yeah, just to add on to that, you know, it's a chance to interact with Heat Nation. You know, um, my experience with the fans down there, you know, when I was there, I was one of the fan favorites. And it's nice to be able to be able to, be a quote unquote media guy and be able to stay in contact with them. So it's, it's, it's kind of pretty cool, you know, to be able to, you know, share some of my insights with Sean and with heat nation, um, just to be able to interact with them. We're
1: going to get into the current game here in a second, but after the break, I've, uh, there are a million things that happened in the big three. I always said I should have written a book. I'm going to try to get Norris to do some rapid fire here when we come back on five on the floor. We'll get back to our episode with Norris Cole here in a second, but before we do want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network, you guys know this one well by now, but why haven't you signed up? It's prizepicks.com, prizepicks.com. Use the code five F I V E that's code five F I V E. This is where you can play daily fantasy simplified, but also a whole lot more fun. Of course, you can play the NBA finals right now, but you can pair someone from the euros and the NBA finals. You can play just about any sport, at Prize Picks, they've got futures bets on the NFL right now. You want to play some Dolphin stuff, you can do that. You can go all in with a power play. You can go halfway in with a flex play, hedge your bet a little bit. Just deposit 20 bucks. Give it a shot, but make sure you use the code 5, F-I-V-E. The boards change there constantly. You can always kind of look for an edge. You want to test your expertise. PrizePicks.com is the place to go. Again, use the code F-I-V-E. And now, back to the episode. All right, right back here on Five on the Floor, we've got 65-time champion Norris Cole sitting with us. He's won championships <laughs> in every country. We got Alex, we got Greg, we got Sean. Um, I want to—I just want to get your feelings about how you experienced some of the moments of the Big Three era. You obviously were not there for year one. You didn't have any part of that thing in Dallas. We don't like to talk about, uh, but you come right. in—you <laughs> come in that second year, um, and and uh, and obviously a lot of crazy things happened that second year but this thing was close to being broken up. I mean, down three, two in Boston. First you lose Chris, right? Um, Dexter Pittman had his moment. Didn't, didn't go so well in Indiana. Adjustments were made. Uh, Things were changed. And then you go into Boston, you're down three, two. And I can tell you, and uh, you know, in the press room after shoot around, we were all talking about Eric getting fired, Chris getting traded, all sorts of things were going to happen if, if you guys didn't step up in game six in Boston. How, how did you experience that, that day, that night, and everything that LeBron did that night?
2: Well, one, we never you know, discussed those things in the locker room, obviously. Um, we were just focused on the next game. Uh, it was a little bit more, you know, it was a little more quiet in the locker room. Um, LeBron was a little more introverted that game you know, normally, you know, he has his music, you know, loud, he, you know, he, you know, he'll talk, he'll smile every now and, you know, but that game, it was total focus, very quiet, everyone was locked in, it was like do or die, which it really was, and, um, you know, we, we put forth an effort, obviously, LeBron put forth a, you know, historic performance, you know, and when he's playing like that, you know, he's, you know, he's one, you know, one of the top two players to ever play the game. So, you know, it was fortunate he was on our team <laughs> and we was able to, you know, support him and support each other and be able to come back and win that series. But there was no panic. I can always, I can say, I believe we can compete with any team in any era because of that. We never panicked. We were down a lot of times, the regular season and postseason, and we never panicked. We always was a next possession, next game, next practice type of team. And I think that's why... You know having that attitude we were able to come out of a lot of you know a lot of holes that we were down
1: i feel like that championship series gets lost because people talk about the spurs series more and Ray's shot and everything that happened um, right but but you beat a team that maybe it wasn't at the time but had three of the best players of this era on the court together uh yeah. what do you remember from the oklahoma
2: city series uh i remember dominating um <laughs> obviously, you know, KD was KD. He won, I think he won MVP that season. And I think he had his third or fourth scoring title that he had won that season. And James Harden had won six men of the year. And, you know, Russ was, you know, doing Russ things. So our whole our whole idea was to, because the format was 2-3-2 two, two back then. Our whole thing was get at least one, maybe two, but when we go home, we don't go back. That was our whole thing. When we go to Miami, win all three, so we don't have to go back. And that was our mindset. And so we we let game one slip away. And then after that, we won, we ran the table. And so I remember I think it was game five. It was game four or five where they had a big lead on us though, mm-hmm. where they came out on all cylinders and then Like we just talked about our second unit cut the lead down to make maybe 10 or eight. And when we did that, that's all, you know, that's all Bron and D Wade needed to give them second life. And then they came in and went on here and finished the show for us. And I think Rio had a big game that game as well. Um, But yeah, I remember, you know, having a dominant series. Anytime you beat a team four straight games, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty dominant, you know, so that's remember. And that was
3: fun. (laughs) I was about to say game five to me, that felt like a party. The whole game was a party. I don't know about for y'all, like down on the court, but I I know as a fan that the whole game was a party. Um, I'm interested. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash Miami heat.
3: Actually, uh, I'm going to tie today's era, today's Miami heat team back to your time with, with the team. And I'd love to just get your perspective on the difference. Um, kind of in what you did in in the big three era with that team, with that cast of characters and the offense, specifically the offense and the pace and, and just the way that Spo is using uh, the players today, the way that the offenses ran compared to what what you guys did, the differences and similarities. I'd just love to hear some of your perspective there.
2: Well, one thing Spo is uh, I've noticed that he's grown as a coach. Um, which you should grow as a coach, but he's you know continue to get better and better. And he always would tell us that you know always continue to get better. You can always get better. You can always improve. And he's been a living testimony of that. So his ability to adapt to his team. So this team, as you know, you do a lot of dribble handoffs, you know a lot of uh, pinned down screens for for Duncan and for other shooters. Um, not as much isolation. You know, only Jimmy isolates, you know, a lot. No one else really isolates. On our team, it was more we have an action to get the ball to one of those big three to isolate. You know, it was either get the ball to CB at the elbow, we are are running action, and then – can you hear me? Yep, okay. We'll run an action, and then it'll be for him. He'll have an option to isolate and then we'll throw it down to D Wade. We'll do a backside action so they keep them busy so he can isolate. And then the same thing with LeBron. We'll run a pick and roll so he can get a mismatch. And then we'll space the floor so they can have an isolate or they can drive and kick. Now the team is, like I said, a lot of dribble handoff, a lot of misdirection. And that's how they create the offense. And so that's that's the biggest difference, you know. When you have guys like D Way and LeBron and Ray Allen and you know CB. You don't have to, you don't have to be too creative. You just have to be solid. Get them in their spots. You just have to be solid with your spacing. That and that was our biggest thing. Sprint. You notice when we get the ball, we sprint. Whoever they had the ball, sprint to the deep corner. You know, give those guys lanes, and you know, let them make plays. And this team is more so they still spacing is important, but they got to be able to have timing and execution from the dribble handoffs, the pick and pop, you know, those type of things. And, you know, we didn't really have to do that. We get the ball to your playmakers, get to spacing, catch it, drive, catch it, shoot, catch it, kick, you know, like don't let the ball stick. That was our whole mantra, catch it, make a play, catch it, shoot, or swing it, get it back out and let one of those guys make a play.
1: Norris uh, I'm going to let Alex jump in here, but but just two things here related to the modern team, a, how good would Bam have been with
2: your group? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, that would have been nice. He could have either started or came off the bench. Either one, it would have been deadly. One, it would have, his rebounding and shot blocking ability. The way we pressured the ball, mm-hmm. you know, that would have been the way he can play the passing lanes. He also would have kept some of the heat off of CB. You know, when CB played the five sometime, you know, we could have put Bam at the five and left CB at the four, which he's a matchup nightmare for any four-man. And, you know, Bam, he's a lob threat. So, you know, anytime D-Wade or LeBron breaks somebody down, if his man helped, you know, he can lob it, you know, <laughs> to the rim. And then back then, you know, the mid-range was still alive, you know. So, Bam can pick and pop and hit that mid-range. And so, you know, I, I would have loved, you know, you know that, that would have been great. He, he translates well with our team. You know, I've he's, always
1: thought that. And the, and the other one, and then again, I'll let Alex jump in. You've talked about Spolster a little bit. I, it's funny with Heat fans. Uh, Heat fans are critical of Eric a lot until somebody claims another coach is better, and then all of a sudden they, they back him. Uh, right. What in, what, in your view, is Eric Spolster's biggest strength as a coach?
2: Uh, for me, his biggest strength is that he doesn't panic, at least not on the surface. He don't show it. He, he, he doesn't panic. And he's not afraid of, um, suppose not afraid of like confrontation. Like he's not, a, he's not afraid of high competitive leverage moments. And, and, and that's what I've learned from being around him as a coach. Uh, and then from watching now being away, like he's not afraid to make the, to make the adjustment that maybe seems mm, to the outside world don't seem right. He's not afraid to try it, and he's, like, he doesn't panic. His whole idea is, you know, stay with it, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, and, and that's what he does. So I think his, his ability to stay calm and not panic, you know, who knows what he does, you know, when he goes <laughs> in his office. <laughs> you never know. He might be pulling his hair out, but when he comes out there in front of the team and he's on the sideline, you know, he's solid. You know, he's solid, you know, and, and he, he makes sure the emotional – the emotional aspect of the game doesn't get out of control. And when you can do that, your players feel that. So Norris,
0: I love when you were talking about kind of the offense of the, during the big three era and comparing it to kind of the stuff that's going on now with the couple, the last couple of years of this heat team. And it just, if, you know, I forgot what it's like to be able to have multiple weapons who could just break down a guy one-on-one without needing a bunch of, you know, pin downs and dribble handoffs, as much as I do love Spoh's creativity. And that's what I want to ask you about here, but about the defensive end. What do you see the comparison between the big three Heat teams at their best defensively and what the Heat do now on defense? Because we saw some of the the blitzing and trapping this year. We didn't see a lot of it last year. We've seen a lot of zone over the past couple of seasons. We've seen uh, sometimes even a a, a kind of like a a half court, I mean, a press into a zone. He's done a bunch of different things, and, and I think he's gotten really creative on that side. I've enjoyed watching it. And even like he'll he'll have guys on the corner help up a lot when he does go into the zone. What do you think about the way that he has kind of grown as a coach since your days, like playing with the Heat to now?
2: Well, he's had to adapt to the NBA. The NBA is a little different now. I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure they're shooting a lot more threes now than they were, you know, when during the big three era. So you have to be able to keep the three point shot under control and the defense you know the heat defense is one of the top in the league you know this year was one of the top in the league so his ability to adjust to the nba now you know you have to you have to be able to compete against the three point shot you know now people shoot threes in volume before at least back during the big three era we believed in shooting threes for percentage you know we didn't believe in shooting contested threes we wanted to shoot open threes and, and during our era, we did a lot of showing. People don't show too much anymore. People side it, they down it. And uh, used it last year during the finals against LeBron a whole lot. Yeah, try to keep the ball on one side. Uh, but, but when we play, Chris Boss could show. U D could you know, could show. So which will allow me as a ball, you know, guy who could pressure the ball, I could always be aggressive because I knew that that show was gonna string the push the offense out further out. And then we had, you know, D. Wade back there. If you didn't throw a perfect pass, he was going, you know, tip it or intercept it. Same thing with LeBron. He was going run through the passing lanes. The same thing with Rio. You know, Rio had quick hands. If you didn't throw a perfect pass, you know, it was going to be a steal. So we were we were able to play a little bit more aggressive um, because of the, our ability to show. But in today's NBA, the way you know the Heat defend now, you know they try to you know keep everything to the side, ice everything. Uh, play everything towards bam so bam and jimmy could contest everything and so i don't think either way is wrong it's just a matter of knowing who your personnel is and knowing the nba the nba is a three heavy three-point shooting league now so you you have to be able if you don't have a bunch of defenders who can defend one-on-one like how we were like you know we had guys that can play one-on-one and so you know this team you know you have some guys out there some are elite but some are just okay not so strong at one-on-one so you got to throw some zone in there you got to throw some different looks in there and so you know Spo knows his guys his strengths and weaknesses and he makes a game plan accordingly
1: all right when we come back we're going to do some rapid fire I want to get Norris's first thoughts on former teammates Um, I'm just going to throw some names out there and the first story that comes to (laughs) mind we'll be right back on five on the floor we'll do five thoughts One more segment here with Norris Cole. Before we do want to tell you about another great local sponsor of the five reasons sports network trade shows are back. That's right. People are going out of their houses again. And so they're going to trade shows, but maybe you don't have your entire staff back. You need help getting going again at a trade show. Your marketing team can't do everything you need them to do. You need a one stop shop. So Go to everythingtradeshows.com. That's everythingtradeshows.com. 954-791-8882. 954-791-8882. They will do the whole thing for you. Logistics booth, graphics, furniture, flooring, even some tips to help get you noticed. They're based right here in Fort Lauderdale, but they can service all 50 states. Schedule a free consultation, and you'll also get a free booth rendering. They'll tell you exactly what it's going to look like. All you got to do is mention five reasons, everythingtradeshows.com, everythingtradeshows.com. The phone number, 954-791-8882. That's 954-791-8882. And now, back to the episode. All right, Ethan going back on five on the floor. I got Greg, I got Alex, I got Sean, I got Norris Cole. Uh, Norris, let's go to it. Uh, your best UD story.
2: Oh best UD story. Well, UD got a bunch of stories, so I'm going to say the one I remember the most, it was the Tyler Hansborough situation because, you know, I'm going to keep it on the court with the UD. You know, we got to keep it on the court. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so, you know, you know Tyler Hansborough, you know, messed up D-Wade, you know, sliced him up and you know, you don't just do that. You know, especially UD and D-Wade, you know, we all close, but that's, you know, that's UD's guy. And so he got sliced open on the foul, and we was like, you know, we're going to play it cool. UD, you know, d said, UD, it's okay. You know, we got – you know, this is the playoffs. It's okay. We don't don't respond. But the very next play, Tyler Harrisburg gets a wide open lane, and guess who's the help side defender? Good old UD. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> what a coincidence. And so you know UD wasn't going to just give him a baby foul. Man, and UD did what UD does. Put him down, sliced him open, you know, <laughs> and took his one-game suspension like a man. <laughs> and said, and said he will pay his own fine. You know, that's the, that's the good part about UD. UD gonna help you out and pay his own fine. So, yeah, that's, that's what I
3: remember about UD. I got one for you, Norris. Uh, Pat Riley. Give me a Pat Riley story. Oh, man.
2: Same thing, I gotta give you one that I'm allowed to tell. Cause you know, in the trenches, you can't you can't say everything that Uh-oh. happens in the
3: trenches. But,
2: mm, what story? Cause you know, Pat is a storyteller. He told a lot of stories.
3: Or even just like the first time you met him, like I'm interested to hear that. Cause I know like meeting Riles is usually a big thing. Most most people talk about that first time they come to the first organization. The first I
2: met him was during the lockout and I came down for my press conference. And you know what? I remember him saying that, and it, was, it wasn't it was surprising to me, but it was cool that he actually really kind of knew who I was. He was like, you know, during the lockout, you know, we're not concerned. We know Norris is going to continue to work hard because that's who he is, and that's why we drafted him. He's a mature, you know, young man, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, Pat Riley got some good things to say about the young guy. Okay. That was the coolest thing ever, you know for for us to have cuz you know he believes in summer league for young guys and coming in and practicing during the summer but we weren't able to do that and so he believed he believed that I was going to be mature about it and I was going to continue to work hard and I was able to prove him right you know they they put me right in the lineup cuz you know they don't play you know Pat don't believe in playing young guys we all No know that. no no. <laughs> so so for the for, for them to trust me my first year to
3: you know it was unprecedented two- kind of yeah.
2: Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time until, you know, someone told me and it was like, like the fact that you even like are in the rotation regularly is like something. Cause they don't believe in playing young guys on the, especially on a super. Well,
1: Norris, you were the only one during the big three era. Actually, you were the only uh, young guy that they integrated the whole, I mean, cause Rio was already rotation. here. He's here from 2008. Right, right. Yeah. That's that, that got in the rotation and stayed in the rotation. Every, everybody mm-hmm. else, um, kind of cleared out. There is one Riley thing, though, because it was topical, because we, we've talked about it recently. Uh, how did you experience the whole shut the F up and manage your own team, Danny Ainge thing? You Because you, you guys were in New Orleans at um, the time. I
2: didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't pay a lot of attention to that type of stuff, because that's above my pay grade. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't smart <laughs> man. man had no, out, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have no feedback to it. I didn't think nothing of it. And even now, I don't think nothing of it. I don't... I, <laughs> I just stay in my lane.
0: Nora, so speaking of the Celtics here, it's a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you immediate reaction to that dunk that LeBron had over Jason Terry in Boston and what that was like.
2: So, listen, the dunk was – it was nasty. But at the time, I didn't celebrate it. I I mean, I knew it was nasty. But if you see it, I didn't really – only the bench really celebrated because we was, like, locked into the game. And I didn't think that it would be that legendary of a dunk, honestly, because all the alley oops that I had thrown to LeBron, we'd had some nice, you know, alley oop connections, and so I'm like, I didn't think that was the most special one. But when you think about storyline at the time, you know, JT was talking a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the Boston Miami rivalry, mm-hmm. and it was the playoffs. I can see why 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 that's the one that everyone remembers because it no, wasn't my. It's
3: the past we remember, Norris. It's the past. Not for sure, but I'm saying as the
2: guy who <laughs> threw him, up, I threw Brian a lot of alley oops. That's not my favorite one that I remember. So I was like, I mean, I remember it, but you know, it's other ones that I thought was better. But which
1: was which? Which is your favorite, though? Which is your favorite? Uh,
2: I don't know if it's just one. It's a couple. Of, it was a like a almost like a half court when I threw it to him and he caught it backwards against the Blazers. It was the one against mm-hmm. the the Knicks where I. Got the alley oop and threw it backwards. Same thing against the Lakers, threw it, you know, just got the fast break and just threw it backwards and he just dunked it. Um uh backdoor out of bounds play against uh you know Golden State. Uh man, it was he was a bunch of them, you know. Brian, you know, he put on the show when you throw the alley oop, you know. So it was a bunch of them, but I I didn't know that one would be the legendary one. But now I can see why though, because he he punished him. He he really buried that guy, man. <laughs> He wanted to
1: punish him. For though. sure. Like, the next day, like he 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 would he would usually back off of that kind of stuff when he talked to us, and we're like, "Did you enjoy that?" He's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah." Mm-hmm. I mean, because because like you said, Terry didn't shut up since the 2011 finals. So, and he was talking a lot that week, also. From you remember what oh, I he was remember talking a lot, this, and I think
0: he got the tattoo. <laughs> he got the tattoo before the Mavs won the title, and then they ended up winning. You know, LeBron wanted that one. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure. No,
1: he he he. He knew it. All right. Uh, and, and, we'll let you go. Now I want to get back to your guys' podcast here. Uh, but I'll let you go. You got to have a Birdman story.
2: Birdman had this train horn on his, on his truck. And it would literally, if you wasn't ready, you would literally like use the bathroom on yourself. And he blew that horn. It was so loud and scary. And you could hear it from a mouth. It's a real train horn. Like when you go across the train tracks, it was he had one of those on his truck, and anytime Birdman pull up, you know it's him because he come blowing that horn loud. <laughs> it was louder than the Coltrane. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know for sure. This one, I got, I I, I got to be honest. Listen, it was plenty of times where my stomach was in a knot because I wasn't, I wasn't ready, and that man, he was. Uh, uh, I was like, man, what is going like, Birdman? Man, stop, stop scaring people, man. Now, Birdman was a true character. He, he was, and but he you and guys, in the Harlem Shake yo. He was uh, okay. classic in the Harlem Shake video, How he started the video. I'm so glad That's you mentioned amazing. that. That's typical Birdman right there.
1: That that video is all time. Uh, but you guys
2: were
1: you guys were 37 and three when he came in that year. You guys, I mean, it's like you just took off uh when he came in. All right, admit it. Um how do you feel about Dwayne Wade owning a piece of the Utah jazz? Cause heat fans are very upset about this. Are you, are you, are, uh, it's a business opportunity. I mean, it just doesn't feel right. Right.
2: Uh, business is business. It's strictly financial. <laughs> 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 nah, but I mean, obviously I don't know all the details of, you know, if he tried to, you know, own a piece of the heat, I don't know. I assume he probably did, but you know, business is business. He's a businessman and, you know, business is all about the opportunity and, you know, about the dollar, you know, and there's no loyalty when it comes to that, you know, and this business is proven there's no loyalty when it comes to business. You have to take care of your business. Hopefully that is, you know, hopefully you you get to do business with the people that you like, but if not, you know, sometimes you have to take your business elsewhere. So, you know, he, he'll always be a part of heat nation. It's always going to be Wade County. So Heat nation shouldn't, I don't know if they feel no type of way towards D Wade about that. I hope they don't, but it's it's just business, man. And in this day and era, you know, when the ex player, especially African-American can, you know, have ownership, that's, that's big time, you know, and it's, it sets an example for, you know, players coming behind them.
1: I feel like Heat fans will feel differently if Donovan Mitchell's in a heat uniform in a couple of years, but we'll just keep that on the down low. Uh, And and Norris, there's, uh, do you do you miss the league? I mean, winning championships, but do you miss it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I miss playing in the league. Um, competing, you know, the, the competitive part. You know, basketball is always competitive when you play. But, you know, the competitive aspect, um, I believe that I definitely can still compete in the league. Um, being closer to the family, um, that's the biggest part, you know, being so far away from the family. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely miss the league and I'm, you know, I'm not, I haven't closed the window on being back in the league. You know, I'm only 32 years old. Anybody that want to race, we can race, you know, you know, I'm I still, you know, believe I can, you know, get out there and lace some up. you know, with anybody. And obviously I know how to play a role on a winning team. And so, you know, I, I definitely miss it, but like I said, you have to take the opportunities given and you, you know, sometimes it's not personal. So a, lot, a lot of times it's business.
1: Sean, Talk again about where we can find you guys and get more insights from both of you guys on uh, what's going on in the NBA. Definitely.
4: So you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. It's B-L-E-A-V. It's The podcast is called Believe in the Miami Heat. Uh, weekly show comes out on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Heat NBA.
2: I post those once they drop. Hey, let me tell you all something about Sean. Sean be repping the Heat all the way up in Philly, y'all. He he be doing all no, type no. of camps and AAU and I'm like man it's dangerous out there in those Philly streets. He like man I can't rep the Sixers. I'm still repping the Heat. So make sure Heat Nation know that y'all got a real one in Shine.
3: Well, and it is recognized. Okay. I mean, they're still going through the
1: process of getting. <laughs> his, they're still going through the process of getting to his camp, and the process always fails. So it's okay. Don't don't worry Ooh,
3: about that. And hey, hey, Norris, when you talk hey, about exactly you still playing right. in the league. There's a couple point guards on the heat roster today that get hunted on defense, like in ways that you would never. So we acknowledge that as well.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) They can use the point of attack defense hope
2: for sure. Well, Hey, you know, tell, you know, tell Andy and Pat, you know, Hey, call my agent.
1: (laughs) Uh, we'll bring both you and Rio back. We'll see how that goes, uh, Norris. Norris, Norris. We appreciate. I can't let you go before this though. Were you Were you aware that you were almost traded to Cleveland during uh, right after the Big Three era? But that when Pat found out that the team you were going to be routed to in a three way trade was the Cavs, that he killed the trade. Were you aware of that? <laughs> the nod says it all. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir, Norris Cole. You- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was great I, I reported that it. at the time but it, it 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 got under uh it got under the radar here a little bit all right norris we appreciate it you follow him on twitter we're going to tweet all this stuff out and hopefully we can have you guys uh both of you guys on again um from philadelphia or wherever the hell norris is winning a championship from that day thanks for following five on the floor thanks for supporting our sponsors thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional
2: Sports Network.